0: Welcome to another episode of The Culturing Podcast. So excited to have you here. This is a special episode because I'm on video and that doesn't happen that often anymore. Uh, This was actually recorded in person before the pandemic. So I know, totally crazy. You're like, this guy is the worst podcaster on earth, which I'm probably not, (laughs) but I'm not the best. It's not my full-time job. It's just this wonderful passion project that I love to do and part of my career, but is not the whole thing. Anyways, I don't want to make any excuses. I'm sad that this hasn't come out earlier, but I'm still so happy to be bringing it to you. It's with Dr. Marianne Moser, who is the CEO of the Telespark Science Center. And honestly, this woman has been pioneering for decades in the STEM industry, that's science, technology, engineering, and math. And when it comes to tech, which is where I work most of my day, this is so amazing. We need amazing, strong leaders like Dr. Marianne Moser to lead the way. And she's been doing it and continues to do it. So, my conversation with her is rich in leadership practices, ideas about transitioning to new careers, to new jobs, to new companies, organizations and I just think you're going to take so much away from it. What's even funny is that this year, as I've had this incredible sponsor, Peninsula Canada, and without them, I actually couldn't have released this episode because with their ability to sponsor me, I was able to upgrade some of my equipment, including editing software. And what you'll, what you probably won't hear anymore is a bunch of background noise. We recorded this in the Science Centre, it was so cool so beautiful, you'll see, you've just seen in that intro video, all of these amazing things in the science that we were playing with. But it also brought a ton of background noise, kids yelling, things going off. I don't even know who, who it's and gadgets and wonders galore in the words of Disney. But yeah, I couldn't edit that out. It was so tough, but with the help of Peninsula Canada, I was able to get much better software that helped me do that. So it's out so much better, hallelujah. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about what Peninsula Canada is. They are a 24 seven support for you and the function of HR. And as you've probably listened to other episodes on the podcast that I've done, HR and I are not always the best of friends. I can sometimes be a little bit harsh on the HR world because I'm like, hey guys, let's get with it. But these are some HR folks I believe in. They're really powerful. They're doing incredible work. And so I just implore you to reach out. If you at your business are, hey, we're up to our ears in work on the HR side of things. We need some help. Peninsula Canada is probably for you. If you use the word culture, when you're uh, going through the, the application process, I guess I might say, which all of the details are found in the show notes or in the description here below, you'll be able to just get the royal treatment they'll totally take care of you they'll know where you're coming from they'll know that you're a forward thinker about company culture and that will totally help you with what your needs are whether it's using their software getting extra HR practitioner advice doing some tasks on HR side of things that you just don't have time to do let them know your problems and they will probably have a solution for you so Without further ado, this is my conversation with Dr. Marianne Moser. Enjoy. Thank you for being here today. I'm in your space. Tell us, Spark. And it's going to be noisy for this podcast because there are kids playing around us. And that's why I wanted to do it. It's here. a good thing. Yeah. And this is there's energy like no workplace gets. No one gets yeah. to come to work. Although, at so fun. So tell me.
1: It's a good thing for them, but we're very audience-focused here, so I'm, I hope it's not really disruptive for your audience.
0: No, and that's the thing. Our audience gets to be part of the Telespark Science Center today without being here. There you go. So this is the experience for them. So, Marianne, you started your career as really a, a... You've always been a pioneer. And you started Beakerhead, and you're a scientist, turned entrepreneur. Tell us now that you're at Telespark, what has the journey been like in terms of not necessarily having a founder title, but having CEO title and you're in an established business instead of one that you created. How is that transition and process of becoming part of this space?
1: To be honest, it just gives me the ability to concentrate more on being an entrepreneur within the space. So it doesn't really change the gig. Yeah. It What it does is allows me to concentrate more on the gig because... This is a place that needs to be creative and entertaining every day. It's open every day and there are lots and lots of members and they want to come back and be able to see different things. And this science center can play a huge role in why people are proud of Calgary and what Calgary is about. So to do all of those things, we need to be very entrepreneurial.
0: Huh? And so are you finding it on your team to attract a lot of entrepreneurial type thinkers? Is there a lot of people that work at Telespark that have their own businesses on the side? I'm curious, what's sort of the makeup of your team and how many people are on your team? I'm I'm curious as well.
1: There's a total of about 140 people who work here at Spark. It is, without a doubt, a creative group of people. That was one of the things, I saw it on my first couple of days. The level of creativity inside these walls is very high. It hasn't always made itself outside the walls and hence I was surprised right because the science right. center has these exhibits and you yeah. come and you do the same things but yes it attracts people who who are I think by definition creative and are really passionate about bringing science into mainstream culture yeah having said that we've decided we're going to play a different game. So that we just launched last week our new roadmap, and we've declared we're going to be playing in the NHL of science centers. Come on. We are going to be one of the top 10 most worth visiting science centers in the world.
0: We love that moonshot business.
1: How uh-huh. so far away are we? Well, Everyone says, what does most worth visiting mean? So we're very far away. We're not ever going to be within reach of the great old granddaddies of science centers, like in London or even the Exploratorium in, in San Francisco. We're never going to be those places and we're not going to try to be but we're definitely within reach of being one of the 10 most worth visiting because we live in a science and engineering city. I'm committed to zigging when others are zagging. I mean, that's (laughs) you just decide to do that. People love it. It's delightful. They like unexpected. It gets them thinking sideways and that's what being entrepreneurial is all about.
0: Amazing. And so today's workforce, and I think you've seen this, right? You, when you were at Beakerhead, a lot of the mandate of that organization was to bring together creatives, engineers, scientists, right? People that perhaps always didn't work together. It was actually uncommon for them to work together. You've been able to change in our city the an acceptance of that and a a drive to to be more collaborative. And just generally workplaces today are more collaborative yeah. than they've ever been because there's higher thinking tasks that require more types of thinkers. So how do you stimulate that and encourage that in your teams? And when you're thinking about how your managers are getting trained to lead their teams, how are you encouraging and helping them, giving almost giving them tools to mm-hmm. be able to stoke that collaboration?
1: I have to really try hard to answer this question without leaning on too many cliches. Okay. Because that's what that's what's in the toolkit. But they're cliches for a reason. So it's a coaching culture, right? It's not a performance assessment culture. We are not trying to see whether or not people can do a good enough job. We are actually in it together and helping people be in an environment where ideas get sparked between you. So it's it really is the difference between thinking that the ideas live in a person or that the ideas live between people. Wow. I firmly believe yeah. they live between people. And so you just, all we have to do is foster the environment for those conversations to happen. So the second real, so that's the coaching culture. The second real cliche is that it is all about trust. It is impossible to be creative until you have a team that trusts each other. That's harder when there are people who've had different kinds of training. So if you're trained as an engineer or as an artist, you don't always have a lot of shortcuts in common. So it takes a little bit longer to even build that trust. you sometimes, right? Yeah. So that's, but when you have those two things, a culture of trust and a commitment to get there together then uh it happens so
0: i think a lot of people might like you're saying their cliches a lot of leaders might say this is our culture this is what we believe in we think of trust we think of coaching that's what we tell our leaders yeah where i've seen a lot of leaders waver is if they can tell me or tell their teams we can verify that this is actually happening uh-huh so how, what are some measures in place that you have or How do you know that this is happening and you're assured of it instead of something that might just be in the employee handbook and the onboarding package when somebody joins Spark? How do you know that six months down the road, they're still experiencing as an employee a coaching culture and a trust culture?
1: Yeah, it's too early to say. And the reason is we haven't really implemented the outputs of that culture yet. So when as we start heading into the renovation of, of Spark as you look at 2020 and the programming that now I think this team is starting to implement, that's where the results are. Damn. Right. You will be able to tell. Yeah. And you said to me yeah. earlier that you don't come here off it. You. The proof will be that it's working when you find that you are always coming here. Right. Because you need to. You want to. There's something going on that's really caught your attention. Right. And so
0: this is really interesting too because. I was just listening to another person's podcast and they were talking about how leaders are really focused right now on retention and at like attraction, right? Of new talent, of great talent. So how do you think about attraction and, and talent retention? Be such a cool place to work, but yet I'm sure you still have people that lead. So how do you think about that when it comes to your employees?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so how are you going to make sure that even though this is such a spectacular place to come to, it's beautiful, it's really interesting that you still do attract great talent and retain these people. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking about? What are some specific strategies that you've seen or are wanting to implement here that you're going to almost test out? Yeah,
1: I think that we're going to have to communicate really clearly what kind of team and what kind of energy we're going to need on the team right now. Every organization goes has life cycles and when you set an aspiration like the one that we have just set, it's pretty clear that we're declaring that we're going to be playing game in an international league. That's not a relaxed pace. It, that's not going to be for everyone. Yeah. It's going to be, you have to have a pretty high appetite for experimentation and agility and all that good stuff. So not everybody wants that. It's not gonna be the right place for everyone. It's it's a sort of another cliche, but thinking about it, if you wanna play in the NHL, you have to be able to play at that pace. It's not fun if you're not in shape to play a game at that pace, right? It's scary.
0: Yeah, and so this probably is also changing how you're hiring, you're thinking about your hiring. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, and
1: be really clear.
0: It's your like job application like criteria or anything like that?
1: Not really, I mean, and to be honest, I do also think that you can work with what you've got. For the most part, I've seen people on teams perform just fine. And then I've seen them on another team and they absolutely sing. So sometimes it's not the people, it's the team. So I'm very interested right now in seeing just who is here, because everybody here is pretty committed to the cause. And, and seeing if we can do some, make some adjustments to the culture that people will thrive. And I say that because because I've seen the same person be a star on a certain kind of team and be good but average on another kind of team. It's the team as opposed to the
0: yeah. player. And so how are you getting to know people here?
1: That is another really good question because, as an entrepreneur in these startups, I've always had pretty small teams. But even when I worked at the university or in government, I've had. You have your team. Yeah. This is a bigger organization, and not as big as those giant organizations where you can really just work with your own team. So it's it's this is large families, so like an odd size. So I've really flattened out to some extent the hierarchy and I have a very strong leadership team around me. And then I'm, we've set up cross-functional teams in the middle of a buzzword. And, but that allows me to get a chance to get to know people throughout the organizations.
0: Oh, amazing. And so one other buzzword that I wanted to get your, <laughs> you to is this concept of innovation in the workplace. So again, we're in a place where it's so clear. This is an innovative territory, right? and you would therefore hire and attract people that take that, that rent. But what I'm finding is really interesting. So for example, in most organizations today that are larger, they recognize almost what you were alluding to earlier, where there are some people that don't work in certain environments, but they can thrive in others. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that are made to innovate and, and they can function in that environment. And then mm-hmm. there are some people that can just do the work. They can, once the thing has been worked out, they're like, hey, let me take it and run with it. Yeah. So do you have a team here that is like an incubation, experimentation, innovation team that's thinking about the future? And what this place looks like, what does your strategy team look like and mm-hmm. how do you segment that off and then maybe even transition their ideas into the rest of the organization? Yeah.
1: Yeah. We do have a strategy team. It's a design team. We've called it the Bright Spark Design Group. Like the Imagineers at Disney's. I guess, yeah, yeah. The relevant thing about this is that it is not made up of people only from inside the organization. Okay. And that's really important. Yeah. Because the this it needs we need to have a semi-permeable membrane with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So that design group is made up of very creative people from different walks of life. Yeah. and with a lot of international exposure. And we need to do that because of this aspiration that we've set to be one of the 10 most worth yeah. things yes. in yeah. the world. So we have to have visited a lot of other places in the world and know what that looks like and feels like.
0: So again, when it comes to ideas can often be said to be cheap. Yeah. So how do you, uh, and again, as an entrepreneur, as your background, I'm sure you've had a lot of ideas that people have stepped on, traveled on, and you've had to persevere through that. So how do you do that personally? What are some of your techniques of, Hey, this is an idea I have. And then it gets shut down and you're like, okay, I still believe in that idea. How do you tell yourself to keep doing that? And then how have you shared a bit of that with your team here?
1: Yeah. Separate ideas from their owners. It starts right there. So I'm not attached to any idea. And um, most people with design backgrounds have learned long time ago that behind every good idea, there's nine more other ones because if the client doesn't like the one you propose like who cares right it's not personal and that is very important is to separate ideas from egos because if it's very hard on people to work in a creative environment if they're attached to those ideas because they do get they get thrown out or twisted or tied in knots or so i'm absolutely fine if i have something that i think is a good idea and it gets jettisoned i'm fine If it's a really good idea and I know it is, or that sixth sense or your gut instinct says, I know it is, you do keep, you do hang on to it. And I've often said, having ideas is easy. Surrounding yourself with people who will say yes, that's the hard part. So that's the, it's not even a safety net. It's the context for making sure seeds get planted, right? And and those same people who tend to be enthusiastic and tend to say yes to new ideas that are good, that's They're a great sounding board because they'll often they'll say no to ideas that are really stinky. Yeah. And the ratio is like one to nine, right? Like, yeah. So you have to be surrounded by people who can have conversations about ideas where it's just, it's like a neutral game. It's like, is, yeah. well, would people like that? Or would that be fun? Or would that turn your head? Or is that, does that make you have a little moment of, so the test applied to the idea is not about who has it or is it good? It's not even a value judgment. It's more would people like that, with the with users like that.
0: So the other thing that I'm interested in is the health of your team. Mm-hmm. So my background's actually in kinesiology. So I studied like health prevention. Yeah. And now in the work that I do in organizations, a lot of the talk is workplace well-being. Yeah. Health and benefits, all of this sort of stuff. Yeah. How do you see that? I mean a lot of people probably work in they're quite active, they're walking around, a lot of people that work here. I'm curious. How have you thought about that? And then also even that goes into the mental health conversation. And yeah. a lot of creatives can take their work home with them, and they think about it all the time, and it can affect them. Yeah. So how have you thought about almost protecting your team and and making sure that they're staying well?
1: Yeah. It is a really good question because I do see myself surrounded by people that give a lot. Yeah. Like they care a lot, and working longer than. Many. I think I personally inoculate myself a little bit against the damage of working hard or long by saying, if it all fails, at least no one can say I didn't try. Right. I mean, that's not, maybe inoculation isn't the right word because I do tend to work long and hard, but I'm not stressed out about it at all. Because you know what, at the end of the day, like A for effort. Right. And if it wasn't, if it didn't work, it means it probably wasn't possible. And there's no shame in that. The only shame is in not trying.
0: So when, it, when we go back to it, so then how do you make sure that your team is setting boundaries for themselves? Mm-hmm. For themselves, right? I think everyone will have a different level yeah. that they can sustain, that they have a capacity for. How are you sparking those conversations? Do you have a mental note to say, okay, I need to, on a monthly basis, checking with people? What kind of things do you do? that, and, and how do you encourage the rest of your leaders to do that? Please?
1: Yeah. Well, like you say, one size fits one, right? So I very much about the results and I always talk about that, we talk about that. So I actually don't care how we get the results. I mean, if you could do it in an hour a day in you know, a map them, like and get the same results, then that works for me. I know as a mother of triplets that I needed a lot of flexibility in my schedule when they were young. And I also know that I was really a good person to have on your team. Because of how much I cared and how much I worked, but I needed that flexibility, so I give that to everybody that I'm that works uh, with me now too.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, final question, and this is one from um, a, an audience, uh, a person that listens to the podcast, and she wanted to ask you: On the days when it feels like everything is falling apart, how do you and your team move forward?
1: I hope it doesn't sound facetious to say I haven't had one of those days yet. Nice.
0: Uh, Reference times at Bucharest, like. When there was a, a little bit of your time, what what, what is that look like for you to really maintain that perseverance? Because it's clear that you have that drive.
1: Yeah. Steady, not flashy. Right? I mean, that's the, I, I'm the person behind the camera normally. I'm the person with the pencil behind my ear. I'm the editor finding the misplaced commas. And, and that is my steady state. And all these things are hard because if they were easy, they'd be done already. So you go in there knowing this is going to be hard and there'll be ups and downs. And, and I just take some solace in the steady state. Like it, it, it's not supposed to be easy all the time. Yeah. And I do think about what the days where we had amazing feedback and think about that when it's, when it's all falling <laughs> apart, and, and remember that's how it has to go. It has to be balanced.
0: Okay, I lied, that's not the last question, because I want to finish here. You transition into a new role. There's a lot of people that in their companies, every week, there might be a, some sort of transition. There's a new leader that comes in, there's a new leader that leaves. What was the thing that you would say to these teams, these leaders that are like, okay, hey, we're, we're about to go through a transition, we're about to bring in a new CEO, we're about to bring in a new first president. What's one thing that you wanted to make sure happened and what you would charge them to make sure they thought of when they're experiencing that? When you came on the role, on the job, how did you want to make sure that transition went as smoothly as possible?
1: This commitment to working with what you've got, I I genuinely uh, meant that and, and do mean that, I think provides some stability for everybody around. There is a tendency for a new CEO to go in and um, they're hired because some kind of a change is required or was instigated by the departure of the previous one. So there's almost always a change mandate that comes with it. So I think the being able to say genuinely to everyone, look, take an assessment of where we are right now and work with what we thought. And then we set an aspiration together. And, uh, and then see who wants to opt in yeah. and who, who might want to opt out. So it is, it's all about people, right. right?
0: I know your mind is blown. Dr. Miriam is just next level and I'm so glad you got to hang out with us and learn from the rich experience of knowledge that she has to bring. I just want to let you know that we also are doing more on the Culturing Podcast side of things, and we are starting to do a little bit of consulting. So it's super fun. I've been doing this for quite a long time, but I'm picking it back up because the need has been there. Uh, a lot of companies are just like totally up to their ears. They don't know exactly where to go with building really strong company cultures, with talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging. And so we're doing some consulting. So if you want, this is like interesting to you and you wanna talk to me about this, let me know. Uh, You can send me an email. That's all really available on the website, culturing.com. And yeah, you can reach out that way, but also sign up for our mailing list on our website as well. I am not a big emailer. I'm definitely not gonna be someone that spams you a lot, but from time to time, I'm gonna release some really profound things that I'm finding, some really great resources, especially as I'm focusing more in my career on that DEIB side of things. So if that's something appealing to you and something you're really working on, I'd love to connect with you as well. Reach out to me on LinkedIn, give this podcast a follow so you can keep up to date with what's going on. And obviously, if you have other colleagues that are really interested in it, please, I really appreciate if you share the podcast with them. One episode that you liked, get them hooked and part of this community. It's a pretty small community. I definitely don't spend nearly enough time as I would like, on building an amazing community of people, but the best place to do that is LinkedIn because that's where I hang out most of my time when it comes to community and social media. So anyways, that's a rant, but I so appreciate you for listening to this, for listening to any episode and covet your feedback. Send me anything that you're thinking. What would you like to see? What are you not liking? Totally open. I love feedback, so give it to me. Anyways, have an amazing rest of your day and be blessed.